you'll find yourself this morning into the book of Colossians. The book of Colossians, we're going to be in chapter 3. We'll be looking at verses 1 through 4 uh, this morning. As we're thinking about revival and uh, as we're thinking about gathering around his table this evening, uh, I'll go ahead and I always try to give credit when I steal something. Uh, but uh, <coughs> uh, Sam Moses was on our retreat, men's retreat. And, uh, last Sunday he was coming uh, through the Jubilee doors and uh, I guess he had revival on his mind. And he, uh, he says, Brother Mike, and I might not be word for word for this, but I'm thinking I'm pretty close. He says, Brother Mike, you know, uh, you know, revival, but uh, shouldn't it be remembrance? And I said, hmm, he might have something there, Sam. Because I started thinking about this, and uh, revival is for believers, right? Because the, the word itself means renew life or uh, restored life. Uh, you, uh, if you don't have any life, you can't have revival, okay? So this is for safe folk. Okay, we're, we're to get revived. We're, we're supposed to understand that we're not uh, doing the things we ought to be doing. We're not uh, serving Him the way we should serve Him. We, we don't have a little pep in our step. We don't have that passion that we used to have. We don't have that joy. Uh, sometimes we come and we just kind of go through the mechanics and go through the motions and, and we need revival. I'm, I'm letting you know, we need revival. I don't care how well the church is going. I don't care if we've got people joining and, and getting saved and all that. But I'm telling you, we need revival. And when the church gets revived, then evangelism will take care of itself. See, when I get revived, when I get restored, when I get passionate, when I come to realize that there are people living around me that are going to hell if they don't get saved, I, I get to, uh, worked up about that. I get burdened about that. And then and if I get revived, then I'm going to go and do the things I ought to be doing for the Lord Jesus Christ. So this morning, I got a question for you, and it's also uh, the title. What happened to you? Now, some of you will say, well, you know. You ever had anybody come up and say, what happened to you? Especially if you've uh, had a hard night the night before, and you come uh, dragging in to work and your hair's all well if you had hair uh, all messed up and you know your ties unbutton and you kind of come in and you got bags under your eyes and they'll come up and says man what happened to you and then you kind of tell the story of what happened to you well I got a question what happened to you spiritually speaking what has happened to you because we'll never have revival until we're able to answer that question correctly. What happened to me? This is what happened to me. I got saved. And, when I, and, and, and all the benefits that go along with that. So this morning, you're in Colossians chapter 3. We're going to look at verses 1 through 4. We're going to answer that question. What happened to you? What happened to you? Looking at verse number 1, this is what the Bible says. And if ye... Then been risen with Christ, right off the bat. What happened to me? I was resurrected in Christ. Isn't that what it says? I was resurrected. And because I've been resurrected, I am now seeking those things which are above. Uh, see, uh, uh, here's how I know that I'm catching on to the fact that I'm getting revived. I'm the, 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 my, my conversation uh, now centers more about what's to come and not what's going on here. 
Now, uh, you can go and get that off balance. Uh, you can, uh, D.L. Moody said it, uh, he said you can become so heavenly minded you become no earthly good. So we got to have a proper balance. But when I revive, when I start to realize, and when I'm starting to ask, here's what happened to me. I was resurrected in Christ. And now because I've been resurrected in Christ, I'm seeking those things which are above, where Christ setteth on the right hand of God. And I believe, this is all, not in the notes, this is extra, okay? No charge. I started thinking about that. He's sitting there, at the right hand of the Father. But I really believe he's about, you know, he's, uh, he's, uh, now, is it town, now, Father, Father, now? No, 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 just a little bit. Father, now? I really believe he's wanting to get up and come and call us home. Isn't that exciting to know that at any moment he could get up and he can come and call us home. He says, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. He says, cause of all that, set your affections, your attention, your motivation, your focus. Set your focus, your affections upon the things above and not on the things on the earth. You do understand that all this down here is temporary. You may be going through a difficult time right now. But I'm telling you, it's just temporary. You may be uh, battling an illness. Hey, it's only temporary. I, I had to go to the doctor, and I told my class this. I had to go to the doctor. I didn't want to go. I, I don't like going to the doctor. But I went to the doctor. almost canceled because my lab worked, you know. And, and I'm thinking, they tell that to everybody. But anyway, so I go, and, and he came, and he says, and here's what I'm, I'm starting to get now when I go to the doctors and whatnot. Well, man, your age. Do you not hate that? I just want to slap them in the face, you know. I'll show you a man my age. Wham! You know, lay you out there, bro. <laughs> what do you mean I'm old? I'll beat you down. I mean, I, you know, children, I'm just messing around. Don't, don't take that to heart. Don't go beat upon somebody. But he said, you know, you, you, things are not working like they used to work. No more detail needed. And I said, well, yeah. He says, well, we need to do some more tests. I said, that's the very reason why I didn't want to come in the first place. I knew it wasn't going to stop here. You're sending me off to a friend of yours who needs to go ahead and pay for his condo on the beach. And so, uh, now that's another story. But, uh, and so, but these things are temporary. This is all temporary. And he says, in verse number 3, he says, For ye are dead. You're dead, and your life is hid with Christ. It's almost a contradiction here, isn't it? You're dead, but you're not really dead. <laughs> you're dead, but you're alive. How can that be? We're going to show you in just a few moments. He says, where you're dead and your life is hid with Christ in God. Look in verse 4. and says, and when Christ, who is our life? Okay. Now, I'm going to stop right here. You can't pass this one up. Jesus Christ, if you've been saved, He is your life. He's not part of your life. He is your life. 
And it's amazing to me how people get so defensive when you start to say, hey, you know, hadn't seen you in a while. Where you been? I ain't, I mean, you know, things happen. And I understand that. I'm not discounting that. I know sickness. I know we have folks that are taking care of elderly parents. I understand all of that. Uh, but the, the, the truth of the matter is we just kind of like, you know, hit and miss in a little bit like that. And then we don't really, uh, you know, beat them over the head by it. But we just ask them, hey, what do you do? And they get so defensive. Well, we've been... And, and then you hear them bumbling. It's none of your business where I've been anyway. Hey, calm down. We just asked a question. We've been missing you. Why is that? Because they know they're guilty. <laughs> He's not a part of your life. He is your life. And it's a sad state of affairs when those who are believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, when they just are doing the things you ought to be doing because He's your life, they think you're some super spiritual giant. You're just doing what the book tells you to do. You're just doing it because He's your life. You're just doing it because He reigns first in your life. But where we've gotten, uh, where our standards have, have dropped down, that to where we're doing the things we ought to be doing, they look at us like we're some type of super Christian. We're just doing what we're supposed to. Why? Because He's our life. Without Him, we have nothing. Matter of fact, without Him, we have death. And so he goes, when Christ, who is our life, shall appear. Oh, see, he's getting, he's getting ready. He shall appear. And what's he going to do? Well, then you also will appear with him in glory. Hey, we got a pretty good thing going on right here. Now, first of all, what happened to you? First thing, we see it in verse number 3. We were, have died in Christ. I, I died. In Romans chapter 6, verse number 8, it says that uh, if you've died in Christ, then you live in Christ. That's how we can answer the question, how can you be dead, but yet how can you be alive? Well, the first thing we have to realize, you've got to die. Now, we don't like that word death or don't like the word die. It sounds so final. And it, uh, uh, it, it, it's, uh, it, it's a word. Matter of fact, we will use different words for it. Well, we don't say they're dead. I mean, people say, hey, how's your, how's your granddad? He dead. You don't say that. Well, he passed away. And that term's okay. Or he, uh, the scriptures even tell us, that the dead in Christ, they're just asleep. See, you're going to wake up from sleep. We, we, we say, dead, I just don't like that word. And so now, and, and here again, I, I'm not fussing, I'm not, I'm, not com, I'm not saying you're wrong, but now we don't like to use the word funeral anymore. Celebration of life. Now, now there's nothing wrong with that. But why are we one? Because death. Seems so final. Death seems so dead. <laughs> I don't know how else to explain it. I mean, now some of y'all are going to be thinking about this and you're going to catch it when you get about lunch. That dead? Oh yeah, I get it now. But, but that, I mean, we just don't like the word, do we? 
We really don't. But we have to understand, in order for us to have life, we have to die. We have to die to ourself. we got to get rid of Mike before I can get a host of the Lord Jesus. And when Mike dies, then that's when Jesus can come and give me life. Someone has to die. Something has to die. But aren't you glad that the Lord Jesus died in your place? That He died where you should have died. You're the one. I'm the one that should have died on the cross. Not Jesus. Jesus was sinless. There was no... He he was innocent. He didn't even have a capacity to sin. But because He loved us and because He knew in order to inherit uh, salvation, in order to inherit kingdom, someone... A sacrifice had to die. Go back to the Old Testament. We've been going in Leviticus and we've been reading. There's always, there's a sin offering. Someone, something, an animal had to die. There's a, uh, the grain offering. I mean, we can go on all those offerings. There had to be a sacrifice. That sacrifice had to die and that sacrifice had to shed its blood. But they had to keep on, keep on, keep on, keep on doing it. But the Lord Jesus, when He sacrificed Himself for us, He had to do it one time. So, because of Jesus dying, I can now live. Okay? So we died. We died in Christ. Now it brings us to the second. Because we've died in Christ, we've become alive in Christ. We see that also in verse number 4. Oh, what does that mean? First John chapter 5, verse number 12 says, And if you have the Son, you have life. And you do not have the Son, you do not have life. And so our life, physically, spiritually speaking, we are alive because He died. And because He died, we died with Him. That's how we have life. That's the reason why we're alive. So when we think about this, I started thinking, what are we alive to? What, what uh, I've heard of this definition. Life is what you're alive to. Now this is where I get a little excited. Okay, now we've already established the fact that He is our life, right? So, the Bible says that we, we have been, uh, uh, we've been made alive. Life is what you're alive to. Have grandchildren. And uh, they're on this superhero kick now. And if uh, you give one of the boys, especially Ezekiel, if you give him a superhero uh, action toy, he comes alive. I mean, he comes alive. Now, if it's, uh, and he's, he, he's, he's bat, he likes Batman, okay? And so you give him uh, this little figure, and what does he do? He goes and finds a towel, puts it around his neck, and runs through the house with it bringing him in. And when you say, Ezekiel, what are you? He said, Batman. Batman, I'm Batman, I'm Batman. Well, see, see, that was what made him alive. Okay, I'm just going to go ahead and be transparent. Yesterday afternoon, I was doing some work in the office, getting ready. Uh, oh, by the way, uh, going to be teaching a class down in Honduras on the prophets uh, and how the Old Testament leads right into the New Testament. I'm really excited about that. Going to be doing that with some of the men uh, there that Brother Tim said uh, there's wanting to know more about that. So uh, I'm excited. So I, I'm just kind of going through some notes. Well, I had the ball game on. Now, the ball game that I'm talking about, yes, 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 yes. It's the Florida LSU game. 
Now, I'll just be honest with you. I didn't think we had a chance. I don't get real excited about it. Hadn't got excited about it because I know uh, they're, they'll, they'll, you know, if they can keep it. Here's what I, I, if they just keep it close, I'll be happy. Well, lo and behold, I'm hearing that thing and, I, I'm, and I've learned to tune things out. Ask my wife. <laughs> I, I can tune things out. So I wouldn't really be paying attention, but I, I heard the score. I thought, okay, hey, four up. They'll find some way to mess it up. Gets on down, and they score. And, and, and so I'm getting a little excited now. And, and so it, it's towards the end of the game. I still said, okay, they're going to lose it somehow or another. Well, they get in their section, run it back. The game's pretty much over. I jumped up from my table. I ran around the office. And I'm going, woo, Go Gators! Go Gators! I mean, I'm having me a blast. And then I'm thinking, boy, I'm sure glad there's nobody else is around here. Uh, and I'm, I'm, I'm acting foolish. I'm just being honest with you. I came alive when they scored that last touchdown and, and there's no way they were going to lose the game. I came alive. But I'm telling you, here's the difference though. If they had lost, I'm still alive. Because that's not where it makes me alive. I get excited about it. But that's not what gets me going. The problem with too many in the church today is that we're alive to the things that are temporal and not coming alive to the things that are eternal. And when we get on board with that, we'll have revival. When I understand, He makes me alive. And when I talk about, and I wasn't even going to bring that up, uh, I've learned, and and sometimes I like to have fun with it, uh, but I just got convicted uh, that I just need to kind of calm that down. Don't need to be talking about ball games. And, and And I don't like talking about ball games, especially when we lose. But I don't like talking about ball games, especially when I come here, because here, I'm guilty. Okay, this is talking to Mike here. This is where Mike needs to repent and confess this. That was making me alive at that moment. Then I started to realize who gives a rip who won a ball game that has no eternal value whatsoever. But I'm coming to the Lord's house to praise the one who has made me alive and alive forevermore. He is my life. And because He lives, I can live as well. Because I died with Him, the Bible says I have been Raised in newness of life. And so we've been made alive. In Philippians chapter 1 verse 21, Paul said it this way. Paul said in Philippians 1 21, he says, To live is Christ. Understand, this is what motivated. This is why Paul got up in the mornings. This is the reason why Paul would endure the hardships that he had to endure. This is the reason why Paul would uh, uh, risk uh, being uh, his head being cut off because of his faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. He says, to live is Christ. Is that our motive? Is that our attitude? Do we really believe? Is that what makes us really get up? Is that what makes us passionate? Is that the reason why we jump and we'll throw our hands and we'll have a little spell here, not because of a silly ball game, but because of what Jesus Christ has done for me and how He changed my life and He's changed it forevermore. And one glorious sweet day, I'm going to see Him face to face in all of His glory and all of His splendor. And I'm going to say... Oh, to live is Christ. But this is what Paul said. But if I were to die, I still win. Woo! 
You can't get in on a ball game. Next week we may lose. And that's all right. Well, it's not all right. But, it's, but as far as me having, if I'm going to be happy or I'm going to be sad, no. It's a ball game. It's a ball game. But we'll get passionate about it. Just like I did in the office yesterday afternoon. And yet when we come here. Okay, preacher, what do you got today, big boy? You bring your A game? Give me what you got. Listen, if you come here to see what I can give you, you're wasting your time. But if you come here to see what Jesus wants to give you, you're in the right place. What are you alive to? What's your passion? What motivates you to come here? Because somebody's drug you here? Because somebody's nagged you to get here? You ought to be coming because I have realized I'm alive! I'm alive! And I'm alive forevermore! And because He died, I died with Him. But I've been raised in newness of life and to live is Christ. So, we've been made alive. But look at the third point. Not only have we been alive to Christ, but we've been raised in Christ. Look at verse number one. We've been raised in Christ. Talking about the resurrection here. What, 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 what does all that mean? Well, first of all, Jesus was resurrected. Okay, apparently y'all, I've lost you somewhere along the line here. Jesus has been resurrected. A bodily resurrection. And because of His resurrection, we will have a resurrection as well. Okay? That means that if you're buried... One day, the remains are going to bust the grave open. Okay? Oh, oh, what, what, what happens if you're cremated? Good question. What, and, and, they, and they scatter me over the Grand Canyon. What's going to happen to me? The Bible helps us to understand that. That ain't no big thing for the Lord Jesus. He can find all of your molecule. He can find all that. He can put you together. So if you're worried about, I'm not going to get, I'm not going to get, I can't do that. I just couldn't do that. Well, if that's your choice, go ahead and do that. That's not going to hinder you from getting your glorified body. Hey, it's almost like we're thinking, well, Jesus will never find me if they scatter me out there somewhere. Oh, He has no problem finding you. The Bible says we were made from dust anyway. Didn't, it didn't, didn't seem too big of a deal there. Ask Adam. Adam, do you, do you think it was a hard thing? No, he says, I knew I came out of the dust. And the Bible says we returned to dust. But one day we're going to have a bodily resurrection. And we're going to have our new bodies. And so we've been raised. In World War II, there were some Jewish immigrant, uh, refugees. Uh, they were hiding out and they hid in a cemetery. They thought that this would be a safe place. So uh, they, uh, they hid in a cemetery. The story goes that one of the ladies that was there was pregnant and she gave birth to a baby in a grave. What a beautiful picture that is of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. 
See, He was placed in a grave. You've been placed in the grave. But because of His death, and because He's been resurrected, that grave can bring life. You ever thought about that? That grave will bring life. That grave, those, those bones, whatever remains of you, will be getting out of the grave. I love that song. Donna, Donna hates this. Were you there when they crucified? And were you there when they placed him in the grave? And, and, and I love that song. It goes, and were you there when he came out of the grave? No grave going to hold me down. Hey, that's pretty good, isn't it? Ain't no grave going to hold you down. I don't understand why we have to pay for graves. It looked like we could go on a rental installment because we're just going to borrow it for just a short time. You'll take that up with your funeral home director. <laughs> but is that, did you not understand? That grave is not your final resting place. And, and, and where we're on the subject, this, this, for a believer, a funeral service is not a time to say goodbye. It's a time to say, see you later. Because why? Because of the resurrection of our Lord and Savior Jesus. Now watch this. This will blow you. I mean, at least it blows my mind. That same Holy Spirit that got Him up out of the grave is the same Holy Spirit that resides in you now. Why, why do you say that? The Bible says we have been baptized into one Spirit and one body. Right? Is that not what the Bible In 1 Corinthians, it says that. In chapter 12, it says that we, that there's only one Spirit. See, sometimes we're thinking, well, surely that same Holy Spirit in Jesus can't be there. It's one Spirit. We don't have multiple spirits. Only one Spirit, the Holy Spirit. By the way, the Holy Spirit, and we talked about this earlier today, the Holy Spirit is not a it, it's a He. Okay? And by, it's holy. The Holy Father, the Holy Son, the Holy Spirit. So that same Spirit that raised Jesus out is the same Holy Spirit that's going to raise you out as well. But then I, I like this, this is story about, uh, about death. Uh, there was two sisters. And these two sisters were party animals. I mean, they were, whew, they were wild. They loved to drink, loved to party, loved to dance. They had a reputation. And so they got saved. Both sisters got saved. Not long after they got saved, they got an invitation to attend a party. Well, they looked at this and both of them said, no, there's no way we can go to that party. We know what goes on in those parties. We don't do that anymore. So they, being courteous, they wrote a RSVP. And they said, thank you so much for the invitation to your party, but we're sorry to announce that we can not attend your party because we've recently died. What have you died to? See, that's what brings life. When you die to self, you die to the flesh. He gives you life. And so, so then we move on in and say, notice here it says if. If. Do you see the word if? Now, now watch this. It's little words that trip you up sometimes. If. When I say, um, Terry is inviting, uh, inviting me to lunch today. 
Well, really not, but I don't guess. Are you? Are you? Oh, okay, okay, okay. My people get with your people. So Terry says, hey, would you come to lunch today? I said, well, if I can. So what does that tell Terry? Terry says, uh, he's probably not going to show up, right? When people tell you, if I can get there, they usually mean, eh, don't count on me. That's not what the word means here. This word, if, would be better translated, since. Since. In other words, it's a done deal. It's a done deal. When you die with Christ, it's a done deal that you're going to be raised in newness of life. Okay? And so, uh, we move on. And and look, hid. Look at verses, going back to verse number 3. Very quickly now. We we see that you've been hid in Christ. A.T. Robertson, the Greek scholar, said it this way. He said, uh, when he's talking about this, he says, that means that no burglar or even Satan himself can get you out of Christ. Once you're in, you're in. Isn't that good? Once you're in, you're in. And so uh, here we've been hid in Christ. That, that means security. See, if there's a storm coming, oh, we've got we to go hide, got to go hide. I, I played with my kids, you know, hide and seek and all that kind of stuff. And you would find the place where nobody would find you. Well, the word here is that we've been hid in Christ, that the, the, that the lost man cannot see that. Why? Because they're looking with physical eyes. But spiritually speaking, we know exactly where we're at. You may be hiding, but you know exactly where you're at. See, we're hid in Christ, which means He has saturated us, and He has put His hands around us, and He has glassed them, and He's going around, and that's a picture of what we are in Christ Jesus. We are secure in Him. Okay? To win into the day of redemption, which means forever. You're, secu- you're hid in Christ. Now, last, look at verse number 4. It talks about glory. We will be with Him in glory or In Romans chapter 8, verse number 30. I I love this verse. I I love this verse. Romans 8, 30. It says, uh, first of all, it says you've been predestined. Predestined doesn't mean, doesn't mean that God's already said, okay, this group over here, you're good to go. This group over here, you're you're going to hell. He he didn't already pick all that out. The Bible says it's God's will for all to be saved. Okay? Okay, and there's other verses we can back that. But predestined means he already knows. When you got saved, the Lord wasn't up there and saying, Wow, didn't see that one coming. He knew. He knows who's saved. He knows who's going to be saved. And He knows who will not. But He doesn't do anything to hinder them. Matter of fact, and I've used this illustration many times, but uh, here when I'm talking to my, my Jewish friend, and it seems like, uh, and we met, uh, uh, Donna met another one uh, yesterday. And so, uh, you know, I'm thinking, okay, Lord, this is good. Uh, but uh, uh, I'll I tell, tell them, it, you go back and you'll see uh, the tabernacle. There was nothing but separation there. 
Only the high priest could go into the Holy of Holies, right? When the temple, the same night. And then you would have different courts. Court of the women, that's as far as he could go. Court of the Gentiles, that's as far as you could go. But when the Lord Jesus Christ came our sacrifice, the Bible says that veil, that barrier was torn from top to bottom. That means when Jesus Christ did what He did on Calvary's tree, He took all the barriers down so that you would have access, I would have access, everyone who wants to have access can have access. God does not set up barriers. God hasn't already pre-selected who's going to go and who's not going to go. So that word predestined means He knew. He knew you were going to get saved. But not only that, it goes on and says, and who have been called. See, he already knew you were going to be saved. And so when he placed that calling, remember there's two different callings. There's a general calling and then there's a calling to service. And so the general call was, whosoever call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. A general call. But then when you get saved, you get another call and that's a call to service. Okay? So you've been predestined. He already knew you were going to get saved. He placed a calling on your life. And he has justified you. He's made you right. He's made you just. You're going to stand, uh, if you stand before uh, uh, Judge uh, Jesus, you've already been justified. He's going to look at you and say, you're just, man. You're right with me. You're righteous. You're holy. You're blameless. And the only reason why he can say that is because of the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because you've gotten saved, he looks at you and he says, you've been justified. But it goes on. Then he says... And because you've been justified, because you've been called, and because you have been predestined, you will be glorified. Paul said it this way. Paul lived his life as if he was already there. Now tomorrow morning, early in the morning, I got a ticket to get on a plane. And that ticket has a number, whatever the number is. So right now... Right now, wherever that plane's at, hopefully it's not in the shop getting fixed or something. (laughs) We have some mechanical difficulties, but wherever that plane's at, seat 23C is my seat. Now, I'm not sitting there now, but I'm as good as sitting there. Why? Because I got a ticket. Some of y'all are not catching this. The Bible says you're going to be glorified. It's a done deal. You have a place reserved for you. And you have a promise reserved for you. As if it had already taken place. Because it took place when Jesus became your sacrifice. Okay? Now watch. So what does all that mean? That means... In the morning, I'm going to go to my seat. Why? Because it was already predetermined I was going to sit there. Do you understand? Do you understand? If you've been saved, it's already been predetermined. You have your ticket. The ticket has been punched and it's been reserved for you that you spend glory all eternity praising Him. And it's if you're already there. Woo! 
Already there. In Congress. No, I'm not going to go there. Congress. It was said, and I don't know who said it, but there was a debate going on. And uh, one of the senators said, uh, talking about this other fellow senator, he said, well, he says, where you stand determines where you sit. If you go to Congress, you'll see it. They all, they all sit where they stand. Blue and red, right? Where they stand determines where they sit. How true it is for us. Where we stand with the Lord Jesus Christ will tell us where we're going to sit with Him in eternity. So for you, where do you stand with the Lord Jesus Christ this morning? What motivates you? What, what, what drives you? What about your relationship? If you, were to, if you were to die right now, being honest with yourself, do you know for sure where you're going? Because where you stand now determines where you're going to sit later. Where you stand? Well, I stand with the Lord Jesus Christ. If I were to die right now, fall dead right there, I know I'll be absent from the body, be present with the Lord. And I'm okay with that. I'm good to go. I'm ready to go. I have no fears about that. But let me ask you this. How are you living your life now? Got something in your life that's taking you away from your passion for Christ? Not taking you away from Christ. You can't lose your relationship. No, we're not what we're talking about. We're talking about fellowship here. What's hindering you from being what you need to be for the Lord Jesus Christ? What really motivates you? When we ask, what, what makes you alive? Be honest. What makes you alive? What would it be the first thing that would come to your mind? My classic car collection. My football team or whatever the case may be. My dear friend, if you are saying that, then you're not where you ought to be with the Lord Jesus Christ. And you'll never experience revival until you put Him where He rightfully belongs in your life. And that's first.